brag real quick. Humble, humble brag. I told you I did the 5K last week, right, Coach? Did I tell you this yesterday? I found out. I found out Friday afternoon. My sister told me that uh, that her, Miss Skipper told her that I won that I won a medal for my age bracket. So I, I was the first one in my my age bracket. So my response to her was, was I the only one in that bracket? Or <laughs> she didn't answer that. So probably yes. Okay. She didn't say, you know, so I'm guessing I was probably it. All right, uh, but that's okay. Um, I, I finished, right? So, so anyway, today um, we, we're actually um, probably, you know, because I started working on this already uh, for, for the upcoming weeks. I uh, got a busy week uh, with all at school. Um, looks like we're going to have about nine uh, messages in, in, the, uh, uh, in, in Habakkuk. So we are over halfway. Okay, all right, uh, and so, but the next two weeks, we're only going to do a verse at a time, so it's only going to be one verse this week, one verse next week, uh, then we'll get right back in it, and then the last one, right now, I'm planning on doing the whole last chapter in one in one day, okay, um, so that's kind of where we are, but anyway, um, and so as you see, you can see the title, um, I bet you know this verse, and you didn't even know you knew it, or you had it memorized, and you forgot that it was in Habakkuk. I bet, okay. Especially the second part of this verse. But let's get. Let me let me say it up first. So uh, I like the under the the idea of underrated. You know, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting idea. And as an avid sports fan, okay, I think I have a couple of sports fans right up here. Some of my guys, okay. So at least y'all like this, okay. Sorry if you don't if you don't like sports. Uh, but uh, I got to thinking like this is my list. This is not this is not an all inclusive list, okay. This is my opinion. Uh, but I had a list of like of several athletes. In different sports, who I felt like just has to be on on the list of the most underrated athletes in all time. Uh, Dominique Wilkins, anybody remember him in the '80s? He was really, really, really good. Now I was a Boston Celtics fan, so I didn't root for him uh, for Dominique, but he was he was excellent. He was a very good ball player. Uh, Scottie Pippen, you know, always kind of like the second fiddle to Michael Jordan, but he also was very, very, very good. All right. Um, Kevin McHale, another basketball guy, playing the second fiddle to Larry Bird, all right, but also has to be on the list of all-time greats, but never really got the appreciation. But how about football? I had a couple uh, for football and a couple for baseball. Uh, Dan Marino, I still say. Like, I'm a Dolphins fan, and uh, I know this. The Pat Mahomes from the Chiefs is, is you know, um, uh, as far as just pure talent, you're a football coach. Coach Mitchell, I think he's got to be the probably the best of all time. Uh, but Dan Marino might be second best uh, as far as just pure pure talent, you know, uh, throwing a football. Um, and, but I don't think he gets credit for it, you know. Um, and then um, Eric Dickerson, running back, remember him, Coach? Uh, great running back. I just felt like, he, you know, his NFL career maybe wasn't didn't live up to what people thought, uh, but he was also good. I don't want to belabor it too much, but as a Red Sox fan, I have two Red Sox guys. I wish Mr. Jim Brink was here. Um, but um, Jim Rice and Dwight Evans, two outfielders who were just very, very good and didn't get credit for how good they were. Um, but anyway, I just want to to use that to also now, and I may say a few more later, uh, a few more teens, but um, I want to introduce you to what I think is one of the most underrated verses in the Bible. Okay, but before we do, uh, last week. So last week, if you weren't here, the the the, the central statement, Miss Rhonda, I think it's there. Uh, I don't know if I did or not. So if you can go, um, no, it's not. So uh, we'll just leave that there. But the um, last week's um, central statement was God has the final answer to prayer, and the answer is fixed. It's not false, and it's always fitting. It's always right on time. Uh, it's not. It's not going to change. God's in control. It's going to be the truth, uh, and we can trust it. Uh, and so today and next week, we're going to, it's just going to be a little bit different, okay? We're just going to look at one verse each week. 
And today it's actually only half a verse, okay? Today it's only half a verse. But this one verse is crucial to not only the book of Habakkuk, but it's one of the most underrated verses in the Old Testament. And so we're really just going to look at the, 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 the part after the first sentence, okay? But we'll read it. We'll read the whole thing. All right, look, his ego is inflated. He is without integrity. They're talking, the, the reference is to the Babylonians. But then this part here, but the righteous one will live by his faith. Uh, but the just will live by his faith. Have you heard it that way in the, New T- in, in, the, uh, in the King James Version? And so the righteous will live by his faith. Uh, John Constable, he's a great uh, theologian, he said it, that this has been called the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Okay? So if you don't agree with me and my title of today's message, then you can take it up with John Constable. Okay? All right? But he, he, uh, it, it's, very, it's a very, very, very powerful verse, and we're going to look at it today. Uh, but before we do, all right, indulge me for a few more moments, okay? So I didn't bore you too much with the sports things, okay? Let me just give you a list of just a few uh, underrated teams. How's that, okay? All right, uh, so if Coach is the only one who likes it, we're good, right? I'm just playing with you. Um, but the 2005-06 George Mason Patriots in basketball. Anybody remember them? All right, so they were an 11 seed out of 16 teams, and they beat, they beat North Carolina, Michigan State, and UConn, powerhouses. On the way to the Final Four, of course, I don't mind missing them because they lost to the Gators in the Final Four. But anyway, all right. Uh, but they were they were really, really, really like just underrated. You know, they were really good, but didn't people didn't really know about them? The the, the 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, who I hate to say beat the beat the Yankees. I know that's probably you know sad for me to say that because I'm a I'm a Red Sox fan. Uh, by the way, I told one of my students the other day. He's a big Yankees fan, and I shook his hand, said good morning. I said go Yankees, and then I said. Um, that's the first time that's, out of, that's ever come out of my mouth. All right, so I got to go wash my mouth out now. But uh, I will only do that for you, buddy. And he just kind of, you know, kind of gave me a side eye, you know. All right, but anyway, right, Kaylin side eye. Anyway, uh, ask you can ask Kaylin what that means later. Um, but the 2001 Diamondbacks, it was right after 9/11, if you remember. And people, and the Yankees were powerhouses, and it's like everybody just wanted the Yankees to win, but that's not what happened. Okay, as the Diamondbacks beat them, but it just kind of didn't get the credit. I don't think that people uh, should have gave them the 1968 Jets. All right, Joe Namath. Okay, some of y'all remember Joe Namath, and he guaranteed a win over the powerhouse uh, Baltimore Colts, um, and and they beat them. Um, and the the Patriots in 2002, as they had a a young buck at quarterback named Tom Brady. Yeah, um, they were 14-point underdogs to the to the Rams. It was like the greatest show on earth. They they were great offense, and the and the Patriots beat them. Um, and it started a dynasty. Or one of my favorites, who I didn't actually like either team, but in 1982-83, uh, so I was like 11 years old, the North Carolina State Wolfpack. All right, some of y'all remember that? Buzzer beater, Jim Valbano. All right, they, they're playing the five slam and jamma from, from Houston. Clyde Drexler, Hakeem Olajuwon. Sorry, I'm playing a lot of sports names here, but they weren't supposed to beat Houston. Uh, and, and the last play was it was like a, it was an air ball uh, from almost half court, but no one boxed out the, the North Carolina State guy underneath the basket who just grabbed the ball and just put it back in at the buzzer and won. And Jim Valvano is famous for just running around like crazy, like he's just like doing like this, you know. Anyway, uh, so more underrated teams, and I probably uh, you pro- I probably did that too long, but anyway. Um, but let's look at again this ver- at the second part of that verse. But the righteous will live by his faith. So, so this is basically a summary verse of the main difference between the proud Babylonians, okay, inflated ego, no integrity, right, and the humble faith of the Israelites and their deliverance, and also speaks to us 
as well. And recall that the central statement for the whole book uh, that we've been, you know, we've been working through is the idea that if we want to go basically from tough, from bad times to glory, from gloom to glory, that we have to embrace the goodness of God, embrace the idea, and the, embrace is the big word there. We have to trust that God is still in control, even when things are tough. Okay, and, and even if that's repetitive, I feel like that's a message that needs to be heard in this day of age. Don't, don't y'all agree? And so uh, the key phrase, the righteous one will live by his faith, summarizes the path of life that God sets out for his people. And it's actually quoted three times in the Bible, okay, in the New Testament. Sorry, three times New Testament, in Romans, in Hebrews, and Galatians, okay, highlighting the different aspects of each one. And so today we're going to look at those three verses and then look at the idea of of Simple, simply righteous, live, and faith. Okay, so it's a, it's a very simple message, and you're going to find out that it's going to, it's, they're going to kind of go, there's some gray area there, the lines are blurred, so to speak, okay, and sometimes you're going to be like, well, that's really more of a faith thing than a righteous thing, or that's really more about living. Right. Yeah, that's, yes, that's going to be that way, okay? It was very hard for me to put it in, this goes in righteous, and this goes under lit. Okay, because they all, to me, they kind of they kind of go together. Because if you have if you have your faith in what God did for us through Jesus Christ on the cross, and we live we 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 live our lives uh, in response to that in honor of Him, then we'll we'll be righteous because our righteousness doesn't come from us anyway. Amen. And so and so that to me it all goes together. But before we do, um, I want to tell you guys about uh, Martin Luther. All right, uh, because um, it it was this verse was very impactful to him, okay? Uh, Martin Luther, Reformation guy, way on back, okay? Uh, and so the story goes that, um, that he, was, he was an um, Augustinian monk, and as a monk, they would go on a pilgrimage to Rome. And so he was going to Rome, and as he crossed the Alps, Alps excuse me, he fell deathly ill. Okay? The story goes that he, as he lay sick, he felt great turmoil, both physically and spiritually, and a verse that had previously touched him came to mind. The just will live by his faith. Okay? From Habakkuk 2, verse 4. When Luther recovered, he went on to Rome, and he did the, did the tourist things that all the pilgrims did. Okay, So one day, he came to the church of St. John's Lateran, where there is a staircase said to be from Pilate's judgment hall. So it, it was a custom of, of, uh, of pilgrims to climb the staircase, but never on their feet. So they would painfully climb a step at a time on their knees, saying prayers and kissing the steps where it was thought the blood of Jesus had fell. Okay? So that's kind of what they would do. It's like a little pilgrimage thing there. Luther came to this place and started doing just like the other pilgrims because the Pope promised an indulgence to all who climbed the steps on their knees and said the prayers. And as he did this, he remembered the words from Habakkuk. You remember those words, the just will live by his faith, the righteous will live by his faith. It is said that at that point, that he, when he remembered this, he stopped, he stood up, walked down and went straight home to Germany. And some say the Reformation began right there on those stairs. So a pretty interesting look. So just how powerful that, that, uh, that, that, uh, this verse can be. And so my central statement today, Habakkuk 2 verse 4, uh, and it's okay, is a key verse. And we're, and we're going to look at the fact that the righteous will live by faith. So here we go. Again. And, and, and every time we come to it, I'm probably just going to read the second, the, the B part of it, okay? All right. Uh, and so the righteous one will live by his faith. So the first thing we see is that the first part uh, is a look at the Babylonians alone with anyone else who relies on their pride. Their soul is puffed up. Their ego is inflated. Uh, their soul is puffed up, as I think in the e English Standard Version. All right. um, and so we'll look more about that in a moment. But as I mentioned earlier, this was quoted three times 
in the New Testament. And the first place we're going to look at is in Romans. So Romans 1, 16 and 17. So as Paul is addressing the church at Rome, he says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, which is awesome verse right there by itself. For in it, for in this, in the gospel, and salvation coming from God through Jesus Christ, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as, written, as it is written, the righteous will live by his faith. And, and uh, the emphasis is on, is on righteous. Paul's concern here is was that with the righteousness of God and how people can obtain it. Well, righteousness is a result of faith. So again, you're going to see how it's difficult to put, put it in categories, right? Because righteousness, the way, you know, we cannot live righteously on our own. I tried it. Anybody else tried it? Okay, I tried. I was a do-gooder. All right? I did what the teacher told me to do. I tried my best, but I, I couldn't do it. Okay? I couldn't attain righteousness on my own. It is a result of faith in God. Okay? And so, because of our faith in Christ, we have obtained righteousness. I think, I've, you know, I think we, we kind of get that. But let's look at Philippians 3.9 and see how, it's, how Paul says it there. And be found in Him, okay? not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Again, it's, it's not a matter of living up to all the commandments and everything written in the, in the law uh, in the Old Testament. It's a matter of trusting in what G Jesus did on the cross is counting for us. Okay? That having faith in that produces a righteousness not of our own. See, we, we're, we, we are to trust that. Okay? And not just a, a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge that becomes a commitment of our lives back to God. Faith is in what has already been accomplished. I also like the idea of uh, uh, what it says about Abraham and, or Abram in Genesis 15. Where it says, Abraham, y'all know the rest is probably, Abraham believed the Lord and what else? And it credited to him as righteousness. Why? Because of his faith. His faith in God. Our faith in God and what Jesus did on the cross for us. And we are, we are credited righteousness. Okay? Again, it's not something we can earn. Listen, we will never be perfect here on this earth. Never. All right. uh, I was reminded of that, and Kaylin doesn't know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, but um, you know, Kaylin really got my attention the other day. All right, um, as, as she spoke up, she doesn't speak up a lot, and we were saying some things we shouldn't say, shouldn't have said, you know. And she says, you know, you really, basically, you shouldn't do that, Daddy. All right, and you need to be careful with that. And and, and I, I'll tell you, tell you guys, I can tell Kaylin, that's ever more proof that I ain't perfect. All right, uh, but uh, and and that I had to ask for forgiveness right there. Okay, it was a sobering moment for me. All right, and uh, and so thank you, baby. Uh, and so we'll never be perfect. Uh, and I, I I don't know. You never really know how something that Im impacts you and what you read, how it's going to impact others. You hope it. You know, you hope it does. But uh, I just finished a book, and I I recommend it to you. The, the name of the book is Everything Sad Is Untrue. Okay. Um, and it's by a, game named, a guy named Daniel Nyeri, N-A-Y-E-R-I. And if you want to get that from me later, please. Like, it is very good. Um, and it's written from a sixth-grade boy's perspective. Okay? So it's got some funny things in there, but it is also very profound. And in the midst of, like, silly stuff where he might even talk about, like, poop, sorry, all right, or something silly, he, he'll, he'll say something that's so profound about how, how rudely he's treated in sixth grade. Because I just want to be seen for who I am. I'm, I'm not a terrorist because I come from Iran. Okay? Uh, Iran's not Iraq, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, we get it mixed up sometimes in, in, in America. But he, he makes the comment. See, what happened was um, his, his uh, family had to leave Iran because if you're a Christian in Iran, 
um, they'll kill you. Okay, in Iran, if they find out, they'll kill you for being a Christian. Well, Daniel's mom became a Christian. So, kind of the backstory in this whole thing is that they had is his moving from place to place, and how his dad didn't come with him, and the hurt that was part of that. But the 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 idea is, he, and you have this boy from a sixth grade perspective trying to put his mind around the idea of them lit, his whole world changing because his mom became a Christian, and and he makes this comment. He says, how can you explain? He says, how can you explain why you believe anything? So I just say what my mom says when people ask her. She looks them in the eye with the begging hope that they'll hear her. And she says, because it's true. Because it's true. And then he goes on to say, why else would she believe it? It's true, and it's more valuable than $7 million in gold. <clears throat> Sorry. These are references that he makes, by the way, the book. <clears throat> he says, it's, it's true, and it's more valuable than $7 million in gold coins and thousands of acres of Persian countryside and 10 years of education to get a medical degree and all your family and a home and the best cream puffs of Jaffa and even maybe your life. It's better than all of it because it's true. So he goes on to say, my mom wouldn't have made the trade otherwise. If you believe it's true, now this is what speaks to me. So reading that, you know, and, and, and I know y'all don't know the whole background there because he makes reference to the cream puffs and all that. And he says, better than all that. It's got to be, otherwise my mom wouldn't have made, the, she wouldn't have made that decision because it's true. And then this part speaks to me. If you believe it's true, that there is a God and he wants you to believe in him and he sent his son to die for you, listen, then it has to take over your life. Let me read that part again. If you believe it's true that there is a God and He wants you to believe in Him and He sent His life, His Son, sent His Son to die for you, then it has to take over your life. It has to be worth more than everything else because heaven's waiting on the other side. That or my mom is insane. Isn't that beautiful? See, I, it, it, that really just captured my heart. I was like, oh my goodness, how awesome it is. Listen, that, ladies and gentlemen, that's what faith looks like right there that's righteousness okay and he talks about his mom in such glowing terms like because she kept them going through it all it was her it was her faith and her righteous living in front of him and he didn't understand it why are we doing that and then finally he comes to faith as well see and as a and it kind of goes to that song we read earlier right you know and, and um may those who follow us see uh, the same thing and I, I know i didn't have the, the whole quote there but you i think you get it so as I alluded to a few moments ago, the opposite of each of these three key words, I kind of alluded to it, but now I want to tell you, the opposite of all these three, in my opinion, is pride. See, see, Babylon was characterized by pride and evil passions. In fact, you're going to see in a couple of weeks, there's a, there's a whole thing called the five woes. If you want to look ahead in your Bible, it's in, it's in Habakkuk 2. It's a whole, like 12, 15, you know, a bunch of verses there, woes. It's basically the bad things that the Babylonians are guilty of. Right, and so, but the main thing that I think it all centers around is pride. So, so how does pride contrast with righteousness? Well, the Nelson Study Bible says the source of all sin was and is pride. And you've probably heard that before from a preacher telling you that the, the source of all sin is pride. I want it my way. All right, I want to do it my way. And it's to me, pride keeps more people out of the, out of the kingdom of heaven than any other thing. Okay. Yes, sin, yes, but the source, I think, is, is pride. A proud person doesn't have faith in God and, and therefore doesn't have righteousness. A, a proud person basically relies on themselves, whereas a righteous person relies on God. 
And, and this is the rub. This, this is the question. What does righteous even look like? Like, I want you to see how lofty this is, okay? This is just in the Psalms, okay? Psalm 15 says this, Lord, who can dwell in your tent? And you may know this as well. Who can live on your holy mountain? The one who lives blamelessly, practices righteousness, and acknowledges the truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue? Who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor? Anybody else already? Like, I, I haven't done any of that. I've already, I'm already done messed up on all those. Anybody other than me? Okay, all right. Uh, that's the point, by the way. All right. Who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord? Who keeps his word whatever the cost? Who does not lend a silver interest or take a bribe against the innocent? The one who does these things will never be shaken. Just, just from that psalm, listen to the, listen to the ways that righteousness is characterized, okay? It's characterized by living blamelessly, doing what is right, speaking the truth, doing no evil to his neighbor, honoring those who fear the Lord, not accepting bribes. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on which one you did, okay? <laughs> Ooh, okay. We're not going to do that, okay? But my guess is we've all messed up at least one of those areas, right? Because the point is, um, we, we, like I said earlier, our righteousness is nothing, okay? We're going to mess up. So, so the question is, who are you really relying on? Because pride always looks to self and faith always looks to God. Charles Spurgeon uh, kind of said, it seemed to say, there may as be, listen, he said this, there may be as much pride inside a beggar's rags as in a prince's robe. As he talks about the idea that there's pride in, in everywhere, no matter what your station is in life. He says, there, there may as, be as much pride as, in a harlot, may be as proud as a model of chastity. See, he said, pride is a strange creature. He goes on to say, it never objects to its lodgings. It will live comfortably enough in a palace, and it will live equally at its ease in a, in a hovel. Okay. Um, is there any man whose heart pride does not lurk? And the answer is no. All right. And, and it makes me think of, of the time, you know, as far as a real, a real to me, just a, a great example of righteousness um, because David was getting chased by Saul. Y'all remember that? All right, he was, in, he was hiding out in caves for a long time. All right, and he hadn't done anything to Saul. And King Saul come after him. And then and he had a chance right there as, as Saul was relieving himself. David could have took him out right there. But, you know, and he, he, I think he cuts off a little corner of his robe and then he felt bad about it. Immediately. And, and he says this in 1 Samuel 26, The Lord will repay every man for his righteousness and his loyalty. I wasn't willing to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed, even though the Lord handed, him, handed you over to me today. He told him, Just as I considered your life valuable, so many of the Lord considered my life valuable and rescued me from all trouble. That's, a, that's some sort of righteousness right there. And, and, and now, uh, let's go, moving on now to look at this idea of, of living. Okay, number two, live, as I feel like I need, to, uh, I, I need to speed up a little bit. Habakkuk 2.4, okay, the righteous one will live by his faith. And so, the idea of live, I think, is stressed in Hebrews, okay, in, in, in the second part of the New Testament, where we find a reference to this verse, okay, uh, Hebrews 10.37-38. And the writer of Hebrews says, For yet in a very little while the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one will live by his faith, and if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. All right? And things, are, things may, may take a while. All right? um, don't know when Jesus is coming back, but the righteous one will live. He will live by that faith. The emphasis, again, is on, is on live. It's, it is a commentary on the Christian life and how we should not shrink back even when it feels like God is slow to answer or delaying uh, His answer, right? So how does pride contrast with living? Well, I believe pride, as it relates to living, is, is, uh, causes doubt and questioning and makes us draw back. 
right? draw back like the like the word says you know, uh, like he told the, the people in you know the Hebrew in Hebrews um, maybe even more so simply uh, living however we please reminds me of Proverbs 14 12 there's a way that seems right to a person but its end is the way to death we we think we know the answers right we think we have the right answers right? oh I can just live my life on my own I feel like I'm doing pretty good the Bible is very clear. We, uh, there's a way that seems right to us, but it's, in the end, its way is death. And so it, it's, it's the path where we are our own leader. And I may have used, I think I've used this, uh, this illustration before. I know Coach Mitchell have heard, has heard this, but I, I want to try to keep it shorter than normal. But I, I can't help but think of the time whenever my team, I was coaching uh, basketball at Hamilton, and we were playing at Valdosta State's basketball summer camp, uh, a little tournament. And um, my guys looked over at the team we're about to play that day, that moment. We played like three games a day. And they made the assumption, based on what they looked like, the other team looked like, that they were better than the other team. Therefore, they don't need help from the coach. We're going to destroy them, okay, just by how they look. And, and so how did I know they thought that? Because instead of taking warm-up seriously, like they did before every game, they, they, guys, they had a routine they were supposed to do because I told them to do it. Okay, they had a routine they were supposed to do before every game. Right, Coach? They weren't doing it. Know what they were doing? Just shooting around. They were dunking. They were laughing, pointing. I was like, I called one of, them over. I called one of the guys over and said, what, what y'all doing? Y'all, why y'all, what's going on? Y'all supposed to be doing your warm-ups. And they said, oh, Coach, we ain't, we ain't got a warm-up. <laughs> right, look who we playing. And then he told me that. I said, oh, so, oh, so y'all... Y'all don't have to do what you got. You you just going to just you, you got this. Y'all y'all so y'all don't need me then. That's all. No, we don't need you, coach. You can sit down, because which is big for me. If you ever went to my game, but I didn't sit down. Okay, I stood up the whole time. I'm hyper. Miss Chan, I know you're shocked. All right. So, um, but I, I was like, okay. So I y'all and I promise you, I'm not making this up. Uh, it was the only time in my life that I laughed at my team. Okay, we we're getting beat by 25 in the first half. Right? And the players were saying, call timeout. Who call timeout? I said, oh, y'all say y'all need me. Y'all go ahead. And then I said, y'all get timeout. But I, you know. And then finally, about, you know, about five minutes left the first half, you know, we got a timeout, and they come over, and I was like, <laughs> I said, boy, y'all getting killed. Like, I mean, this, y'all, y'all are getting destroyed. And they're like, okay, coach, all right, we, we get your point. All right. And, and, and for the record, we came back second half, but we still lost by like four or five points. But it it would have happened at the beginning of the game. We would have won, okay? But, uh, but you get the point. You know, they tried to do it on their own. They, they tried to do it on their own. And, and in a way, uh, we, we do the same thing. So my question is, do, do we really, do, do you really live under the Lord's leadership? Like, if we all examined, you know, our plans even for the tomorrow or the rest of today or the week, do, do we make our plans and then ask God to bless them? Or do we go to God and say, God, I have this going on. I need your help. What should I do? Right, I mean, uh, and that's just one way. Do, do we tell them what we're going to do, all right, or do we ask him what he wants us to do? See, the questioning and doubting makes me think of Job. All right, I mean, y'all know the story of Job. Y'all know the story of Job. Had a rough start, man. Oh goodness gracious, I'm in the middle of that right now. By the way, it, it's tough. It's a tough read. If you've never never read Job, let's be honest. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the easiest thing in the world to read. It's not. Okay, uh, Job goes through what he goes through. He, has, he asks some really hard questions at one point. He's got some friends who don't help him at all. 
All right, and, and, and then while we don't have time to read everything, just, just look at finally uh, what, what happens here, okay? In Job 38, if you want to go to it. And, and if you want to just kind of skim through 38 through 41, um, Job is put in his place. Because he's, he's, you know, he, he's not a bad guy at all, but he, there is some uh, the element of not trusting God. Okay, and so look at what, he, look what God says in, in, in chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. He said, Who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? <laughs> mic drop. Y'all know that, right? Ms. Donna, drop the mic. Walk out. He could have stopped right there. All right. Hey, tell me if you have understanding. Who fixes dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? What supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Where were you when I did that? Oh, that's right. You weren't there. Right? And, and he goes on and then Job kind of gets Job's attention. He says this in Job 40 verses 3 and 5. He says, Then Job answered the Lord, I am so insignificant. <laughs> that should be... Those four words should, it could be a model prayer. Every morning, amen? I am so insignificant. I'm nothing. How can I answer you? I placed my hand over my mouth. I've spoken once. I will not reply twice, but now I can add nothing. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Okay? And then Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 6, he says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, Who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. You said, Listen now, and I'll speak. When I question you, who will inform me? I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words, and I'm sorry for them. I'm dust and ashes, which is exactly how we should respond when we, when we sin. Go to God, forgive me. I messed up. And be specific about it. See, God, God does not have to explain Himself to mere humans. Amen? He doesn't have to explain Himself. And one more thing in regards to this idea of living part of this verse. The most important thing about living is the fact that we have eternal life in Christ. Amen? All right? That is something that we can, uh, we can say amen for. We live now and we shall live forever. Praise God. And now, now that we have seen this idea of righteousness and that we can live we can do those things all because of our third point today. Right? Don't worry, we only have about an hour left. All right, just playing, sorry. I had to throw that in there. All right, once again, Habakkuk 2.4. Look, his ego is inflated, he is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by his faith. See, we see this first used a third time by Paul when he was speaking to the church in Galatia. Okay, so Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it's written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of law, everything, one, every single thing, is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith in what was done on the cross in Jesus Christ. See, Paul was contrasting salvation by works and salvation by faith. See, the point is salvation is through faith, not through the law. The person who truly has faith in the Lord will remain faithful in spite of things going on around them. So how does pride contrast with faith? See, pride, pride again, makes us not want to wait on God. Uh, it, it, uh, a person with faith will endure, but a, a person with pride, it, it may even lead to the fact that they think they, they can uh, live by the law, like, like I used to think. 
You know, that I, I, I can just be perfect. I can just do everything right. I, I, I can fulfill everything in uh, the, you know, uh, the, the Old Testament and the, uh, the commandments, which can lead to uh, spiritual superiority or can lead to guilt because you mess up. Because it's not possible. It's just not possible. So uh, the righteous, however, shall live by his faith, not anything else. See, in other words, what, what do we trust in? So this is just a, and Mr. Lawrence will love this because it's four words to start with letter B. But for, for some, I feel like uh, in the world that we, you can argue that the things that we trust in all right, are the following. For some, it may be brains. Right, we, we trust in our intellectual achievement on on uh, you know how smart we are, right? and the degrees that we have, and uh, you know all the letters behind our name or whatnot. Or we we may trust in our brawn, how powerful we are. You know, we we were born in a family who has all this power, so so I you know I'm already I can be in this you know area of politics or whatnot. Uh, or maybe we trust in our our bank account, our wealth. Y'all know people like that, right? So we, we can trust our, our intellectual achievement, our, our powers, our brains, our brawn, our bank account, or our, our status, our bearings, okay? our status and where we are. We, we trust in that, in those things, right? Theologian David Gusick says, says this, that even with Christians, right, that some Christians live by devotions. Or, and he says some Christians live by works, some Christians live by feelings, and some Christians live by circumstances. So it's kind of a amen or oh me, right? See, it makes me think of King Uzziah. You may remember King Uzziah. Uh, he was a good and righteous king for a while. Okay? But guess what got him? Pride. Okay? Second Chronicles 26, verse 16. Because we're not going to have time to read everything. But he says this, But when he, King Uzziah, became strong, he grew arrogant. And, and it led to his own destruction. He actually asked, uh, he actually let um, uh, the destroyers come and look at all he had. He showed off all the stuff he had. He was like, no, check this out. You ain't seen nothing yet. It was like me, if I had like a little uh, men's room or whatever, what do you call it? Like a man cave, you know, and I'm showing everything off my man cave to you, coach. Man, look at this trophy, man. Look at that. He, he did that. He's look at all I have. Hey, no, no, come back here. Check this out. I got lots of stuff back here, all right? He showed them that. He was arrogant. Right? And then it led to his own destruction. He acted unfaithfully against the Lord his God by going into the Lord's sanctuary to burn incense on the incense altar. So on top of that, then he did this because he thought he could do that. Okay? See, faith is, faith is trust. I, I have faith that this chair will support me even though I'm getting kind of bigger. All right? All right? And I need to lose some weight. But I have faith that this, you know, it would have been funny if it fell down. But, you know, it, it, I have faith that that chair is going to support me. I believe it before I sit before I sit sit in it, as as Tony Evans simply said, he said, "God simply told Habakkuk in essence, trust me and follow my instructions. God has everything under control. God's agenda may be mysterious, but everything He does and will bring, excuse me, everything He does will bring Him glory, and it's ultimately for the good of His people." What do we read? What does Sally read to us? Romans eight twenty eight. We a lot of us like to quote it. All right, is is very encouraging. So we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say that everything that happens to us is going to be good, okay? But all things will work together for us at some point, okay? Ultimately, because we have a home in heaven. I like how how Barker said Habakkuk was not to uh, wait with folded hands and bated breath for all this to happen. He was to live a life of faithfulness, which is our call today. 
We're supposed to do the same. We, we can't just sit idly by waiting for the coming return of Jesus. Okay? What are we doing? I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. Well, we got to live a life still, right? We still got to go to work every day, right? We got to wake up and, and, and do what we got to do. Okay? See, and if you will indulge me for just a moment, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a taste of what's, what you'll get in about four weeks, okay? What is really great about this is though, is the, uh, although Habakkuk questions at first, he gets it. The whole last chapter, he, he, you're like, oh, yeah, he got it. He got the point, okay? which is good because it seems like sometimes these prophets don't get it. But anyway, Habakkuk gets it. Look at what he says. This is one of my, I, while I love what we talked about today, the righteous living by faith, I, I really especially, these two verses, Habakkuk 3, 17, 18, are my favorite in the book. Because you know, to me, it goes with the central statement, and this it's everything uh, that it, to me is the most important thing. But he says, "Though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no fruit on the vines." So, in other words, though things are just terrible, I don't have what I want. I can't, you know. And, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, and not to mention that, though the flocks disappear from the pen, and there are no herds in the stalls. Now I don't even have any animals. I, I don't have any food. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice anyway. Wow. Hey, we'll get to there, right? So Habakkuk 2, 2 verse 4 is a key verse and one of the most underrated and, and to me most challenging verses in the Bible yeah, to live out because it says that the righteous will live by faith. See, God is a good God, amen, as we conclude today. And he has given us a choice. I want, to, I want you to see that. And I know that you guys know this. But, uh, and and I, I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that everybody in the house has given their life to Christ. But I want to always kind of end uh, very similarly. Okay? So Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. Is there a more sad verse in the Bible? I mean, it, it tells us there's going to be a lot of people who go to hell. How narrow is a gate and difficult the road that leads to life and how few find it. But boy, you want it to be a little bit, little bit wider. Amen? A lot wider. It's, it's a choice that we all must make and it's, it's not a choice that your parents can make for you. It's your choice. John 3 verse 36 says, The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains in him. He also says in 1 John 5, The one who has the Son is life. Listen how similar it is. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So do you, do you have the Son? So if you do, you have life. All right? You have faith in Him, right? And which will allow us to, to live righteously because the righteous will live by His faith in Christ. Amen? And so if that's not you today, I pray that you'll make that decision and ask Mr. Lewis and Ms. Sally to come up. Sorry, I should have asked earlier. Right? 